Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. This was purposely delayed. It was not accidental. It was nothing, nobody else's fault. I purposely delayed today's episode because of some fiascos dealing with coins, not crypto coins, but physical coins. It turned out not to be a fiasco and everything was good with the world. So now I have that outlet that I need to explore ever further because it seems like I have essentially screwed myself from a point in 2014. So now that I know what I know, I'm going to be going down that road. So I needed to do some investigation, got my confirmation. Tomorrow should be a slightly better day. And then I've got five days before I start a new journey. I'll still be doing the podcast, but it will require me to dedicate some time to this new endeavor that I'm dealing with. So I don't have a significant amount for you today, thank goodness, but I will cover the broad spectrum of what's out there. And I'm going to kick this off with EarnHub. As I mentioned on a previous update, of course, EarnHub is the replacement for what used to be SafeEarn. The migration was delayed twice, actually. First, it was delayed for two hours. Then it was delayed for a 24-hour period, scheduled to go live, I believe, this evening, somewhere around, if you're in the United States, somewhere I'd say between 5 and 8, maybe, possibly a little bit later, on uh, the Pacific time zone. And then, of course, if you're Eastern, it's going to be a little bit later. So the delay simply means that they're trying to make sure everything's clean with the contracts. Uh, As far as I can tell, and I've done pretty copious investigation as an investor myself, I don't see any rug pull. I see that they suck at communicating to their investors. I see that they have reluctantly read with certain people that I mentioned on the previous update that got left behind that they have created a plan b it's going to be a form that will be made available to investors who missed out on the first round but only after they finished this migration i got the sense that they were reluctantly doing so that it was not something that they planned to do and perhaps they just either buckled under pressure or someone from them heard my podcast advocating that they do something regardless i gave them their credit on reddit that rhymed and said look I think you should do this, um, and I'm, I'm glad that you did this because you don't want to leave your investors behind. They are the lifeblood of your organization, and you should not treat them that way. However, I stress it again. They did everything feasibly possible to communicate as much as they could. It's just the way that it is. You always got to have a plan B in these kinds of things when you're dealing with technology. Now, with the EarnHub transition, again, it's going to be sometime this evening is when they're planning to go live. Let's hope that it doesn't spill over into Thanksgiving or past it um, because certain people start getting antsy. Now, there's a couple of questions that have come out. I'm not going to bore you with those. I will tell you the Reddit administration has tried to increase the amount of communication about what's going on. There's still a lot of, you know, uncertainty, I guess I'll describe it as. Telegram, unfortunately, is going to be your best source to go to. So if you're not in Telegram, You're going to have to get in there if you want to get the the real nuts and bolts of what you need to know. When you get into Telegram, they have a section called pinned messages at the top. You're going to want to go there because it lists what they feel are the most important notes around what's going on with conversion. They also have created a separate Telegram group called Safe Hub Support or Safe Earn Support rather for the people that were left behind that have questions that you can ask there and where you didn't get your stuff staked. So they've got a couple outlets where they are trying. I'm going to warn you, though, they it, you can clearly tell from some of their responses, and they repeated it multiple times. It's like, hey, we put this out there. We did the best we could to communicate it. It was all over the stuff. There was tons of news articles, all of which is true, I'm saying. 
They did as best they could. I don't see that they were trying to leave anybody behind. They just made a faulty assumption that people were going to follow all these different sources. You can't do that in technology. You've got to always have a plan B because you just don't, you're not going to be able to get everybody and you don't want to leave people behind. So in strong development, my feedback to them would be your do better in my mind is to in, if you have to do anything like this in the future, which hopefully you don't, but any sort of major rollout or major release that is disruptive to your investors, don't just assume that the copious amounts of communication that you do are going to be sufficient. You need to have a plan B. I know that sucks. I know it costs extra. I know it takes extra dev time. I get you. I don't really care. You've got to have a plan B. I would say that same message to any token that may be listening out there. If you're going to do something that disrupts any of your investors, any of them, you've got to have a plan B. You cannot count on all of the people getting on board in that first pass because there's just too many points of failure, too many different technologies. And as I said in a previous update, people will go to whatever platform they're most comfortable with, and that may not be the one that you prefer to give updates to. So you can do the best you can to communicate like you've been doing and feel like you've covered all bases and maybe you did, but you still have to have a plan B for those ones that just didn't get it. There's too many factors out there and we can't just assume people are watching social media 24 hours a day. And as I said, for Americans, they damn sure aren't on telegram 24 hours a day. So we should stop that assumption as well. So that's the safe earn slash earn hub transition. It is currently ongoing. You should not buy safe earn. If you didn't already know that you should not buy it. I know the dip looks tasty and you were told to buy the dip. This is one you should not buy. Because if you do, you're going to get stuck in an unpretty situation. And you should not try to unstake anything. You not don't do anything. Just wait. If you're already in it, just wait. Just sit on it. Wait for them to give the all green. Then you should be able to go in and do what you need to do. Your stuff that's in there, they have said that they're safe. We have to take them on their word. Just wait it out. If they delay again, consider that, again, you have so many that release and just rush it out. So you should feel at least somewhat comfortable that they're trying to take the time to make sure it's done right rather than release you a buggy project. So give them kudos. I know it's frustrating, but just kind of bear it out. You're not losing anything because your stuff's staked, so you haven't lost any of your value. It's still staked in the pool. I know you can't see it as part of your portfolio, but hopefully you didn't YOLO into it. If you did, eh, then I could say. Anyhow, let's get to an exchange. And I said the remaining exchanges won't take that long. Before I get to the exchange I'm going to cover, I want to talk about a tool that I stumbled across, which was in previous updates, I talked about how many of these exchanges look like they're copy-paste from something else, and I couldn't put my finger on why. I now know why. There's a service out there called CryptoToCloud.com. Crypto, the number two, and Cloud.com. They will build you an exchange. They will customize the exchange, and I can tell just by looking at some of their samples that many of these exchanges are from this company. Why does that matter to you? Well, it means that pretty much anybody could spin up an exchange, thus you should be careful which exchange you're going to give your money and trust to because some of them may actually do so with nefarious reasons. Now, if a lot of people are using the exchange, there's less of a risk of this, but the risk does not go away. So you want to be aware. It's the same thing like when spinning up a token. There are sites out there where you can copy-paste a token template, spin up the token, put $5,000 worth of liquidity off BNB or Ethereum in there, and then launch the token, and you're off in the races. And then when you get $10,000 worth of people buying in there, then you drain it, and you rug pull it and run away. That's the risk of the industry that we're talking about here. So this that 
with the exchanges, the true exchanges, it's even worse because remember, with the exchanges, we're dealing with a lot of tokens, not just the one token. So they feasibly, and it, the risk of it, I would say, is low. I'm not saying that it's a broad risk, but it is a risk to acknowledge that because there's multiple tokens, you could have where there's heavy trading going on, and then they start injecting fees, the exchange, their own fees to do the tra the um, trades, or they have high fees to do withdrawals, or they have high fees to do deposits, you know, so they can sneak fees into different places that if you had just gone to, you know, LBank or Hotbit or Gate.io, one of the more credible ones, the larger ones, KuCoin, then you don't have that risk because they're larger organizations. For the most part, they're known broadly. And so I'm just calling that one out when I found it so that you're aware this is a thing. They are actually copy-pasting from templates and, you know, from services like this. And again, there's a screenshot that I'm staring straight at. I can tell. This guy is straight up. I want to say it's, uh, that's not hot, but it's probably BKEX. But it's blatant that it, it's a copy-paste of something. So be aware of it. Be safe. Do your research with the exchanges. It's tricky because you, there's not really much background on the exchanges. The things I would suggest would be, number one, is it registered registered as a business in your country? If it's registered as a business in your country, you can feel reasonably confident that they are subject to some form of taxation, that your states and your federal government are aware of them, and that gives you somewhat credibility. It doesn't solve every problem, but it gives you somewhat credibility. Second, do they have direct points of contact to be able to reach? And I've called out in my reviews if they've allowed direct ability to get support. One thing I would give a thumbs down on Gate.io for is that while they give you a direct support email address, they tend to be slow on the response. And with Stellar XLM, which is something I just identified today, for whatever reason, theirs seem to get hung up, Gate.io, than anybody else. And I don't know why that is. And I've done XLM on multiple exchanges and Gate.io on at least three. The transition has just taken longer than it should. And I know it's not the Stellar XLM network because I can see the blockchain is going as fast as it's suspected to. So this means that something on the Gate.io side is not working. My, sus my suspicion is that Coinbase, because that's where I'm sending it to, because with, with Coinbase, they rotate the memo. So memo is something that you send in addition to the wallet address. And the way it works is that the wallet address in Coinbase, you don't own it because it's a custodial situation. So the memo is how they identify which account to send it to. They rotate that address, so it's always different. You can't just hard set it into Gate.io. You have to constantly copy those pairs into Gate.io when you do a withdrawal. My suspicion is that when Gate.io is trying to do the send, they're having a hard time coping with that memo part because XLM is one of the rare that requires the memo. You have to do it. If I were sending Bitcoin, even if I were sending Cardano or something else, I don't think I'd have the same issue. So I suspect it's just Gate.io dealing with that ID. The other exchanges, for whatever reason, it's never been a problem. They've gone reasonably fast in, you know, 12 confirmations or so. So because I run into that kind of a situation with even Gate.io, it gives me some pause because I do have support, but I can't get frequent access or fast access to what I need. The reason I keep using Gate.io is because they are arguably the best as far as the transitions that I need to move my money around. KuCoin is good, but they're not as good as Gate.io. And then you can talk about minimums and fees. Gate.io by far and away is the best. However, they've already been vetted. They've already been screened. So even though they have suck support, 
I can feel reasonably confident they're not a scam, like some of the other ones that I might think could be a scam. I think Indox is legit, but it comes across like a scam, as an example. So I'm calling out this one because I think it's important. You be aware that that's a thing. Try to do the best due diligence you can. Look for clues that this thing might be sketchy. And it could be that they just suck at certain things, but that doesn't mean that they're a scam. It just means they suck at certain things, right? With that, let me talk about another exchange. And this has nothing to do, although this is where I found out about these guys, which means that they probably copied off these guys as well. But that exchange uh, that we're going to cover, and it's one, let's see, I got two left. Um, this one's Azbit, A-Z-B-I-T. Azbit was recommended to me from somewhere, and I forget where. I think it was some token that I was trying to trade. And again, the interface is copy-paste, just like before, but they have a couple of differentiating features that I'll call out. Um, first is the earn feature. So the earn is similar to what you might see on Coinbase, where you can so-called stake your tokens and then gain some uh, rewards. But they allow you to, you know, there's no punishment to withdrawing when you need to. There's no punishment to trading when you need to. And then there's a rate, a percentage rate for doing it. Now, the reason I'm calling this out for them and not any other is that with them, they're not required, like with Coinbase, let me give you Coinbase as an example. To truly stake on Coinbase, let's use Ethereum, you basically are locked out of those tokens. You cannot touch them. You cannot withdraw them until ETH20 code shows up. Well, that money is hands off until that whole thing sorts itself out. We don't know when it's going to sort itself out. That's true staking. This is different from the interest rate that Coinbase offers for holding certain other tokens like USDC or as an example, um, I think Algorand is another one. I believe Stellar might have something where there's an there's a interest that's generated and for holding it, you get this interest, but the rates are extremely, extremely low. And it's not true staking in the definition of said because all they're doing is saying you got to hold it and then we'll just pay you a little bit of interest and it's annual. With the way ASBITS works, you are depositing your funds into, and there's a minimum, but you're depositing your funds into it. And then as part of it, you can still trade it. You can still withdraw it. You can still transact with it. But the rates are pretty much, I would say, significantly higher than what you would get with Coinbase. That's why I call it out, especially with their own token which is the AZ token. I don't know what chain that is, but if you choose to use this, it means you have the freedom plus a higher rate than something like a Coinbase could offer. And it's not true staking because you still have access to use the token. In true staking, you are purposely blocking yourself from being able to transact with it to support the pools. In this one, you're not you're supporting the pools that they use, but you're still able to use your tokens and you get the higher rate. I just think that's good because it's rare in many of the exchanges, so I'll call it out as a positive. Everything else is pretty much par for the course of what you'd see on any other exchange. Um, same with interface as far as the graphs and the, the look and feel of it and the trade interface. It supports market orders, which I like, because as we all know, I'm, I'm a big fan of market orders not being forced on limit orders. However, beyond that, I didn't see anything that stood out about Asbit. I don't think it's a bad interface. It has all the different low-cap coins. It has the high-cap coins. It has... All the features you'd want. It's just that I don't see anything that stands out about them over other interfaces. And this seems to be evident in their order books and the transaction activity and history. They don't have a lot of transactions happening. So that means that they probably don't have a lot of customers. They may be 
looking to onboard more tokens, lesser known tokens, so that they can change that. Because when you have certain tokens on certain exchanges and not others, then it may entice those people to come to those exchanges and then grow the population. But they don't have things like Satama. Uh, they do have Shiv, because Shiv is pretty much everywhere at this point. And then, of course, everywhere they have Doge and some of the other ones. Now, the interesting thing about what they do have that surprised even me, they have a lot of the very, I'm talking pristine new ones. Uh, Mini Tesla is one that's like, it's Krakadon. I don't even think that one's launched yet. It's like Krakadon new, and they have that one, and it's in presumably a pre-launch status just going by the pricing of a thing. And so that means that you can get in before it, you know, hits a peach, and you don't have to worry about the pre-sale, you know, you have to spend minimum, you know, $200 or whatever those that joke is. For the pre-sale tools that are out there, you can jump into the exchange and buy in. Gate.io has this as well. KuCoin has this to some degree, but to the, to this degree, no. I don't see this anywhere else from what I've reviewed so far uh, over what it has. But then there's other tokens that you wouldn't expect to be on here that are on here and I don't think that they'll make a dent in the popularity of the exchange, but it's good to call out that they're there, like Ryoshi Vision. Um, there's the Ryoshi token, and here's the challenge I see in the interface that I'll call out. Certain tokens have a very similar name, and their call symbol, as it's called, is also very similar. So then it may tend to confuse people as to which token is what. So if I look at Ryoshi there's an actual Ryoshi token, and there's a Ryoshi vision. The way that I know the difference is that Ryoshi token is an Ethereum-based token that is paired primarily to Ethereum, and it's about $0.03 cents to $0.04 cents per. Ryoshi vision is an Ethereum-based token tied to USD Tether, and it's a fraction of a penny. I know that. Your casual trader is not going to know that. So this could confuse people not understanding that there actually is a difference between the two tokens and they are not the same thing. And to be able to buy the right token if they choose to means they're going to really need to educate people as to the difference because the call sign is the same. I don't know how you would fix that because I don't know which one came first. I think the Ryoshi token came first and the Ryoshi vision came second. I could be wrong, but I don't think you can change the call sign for it if it's renounced and I think Ryoshi might be renounced maybe it's not because it's on the exchange I guess the feedback I would call out would be potentially figuring out how to get the call sign to be unique so that users that are trying to trade don't get confused because that could stymie your efforts when you get on an exchange and you want to get more people on board with what's going on this is my opinion and I stick to it other than that as I said I didn't see anything significantly strong or different or unique about ASBIT at all. It's not a bad exchange. Um, I didn't see any problems, uh, but it's copy-paste uh, from other exchanges, so you'll, you know, what you see is what you get with this one, but I didn't see anything that was a turnoff, per se. So you can decide, if you already have other exchanges that have the tokens that you want, I wouldn't see a compelling reason to move, is I guess what I'm saying there. Uh, so that's ASBIT. I'm, you know, it is what it is. So then let's jump into um, because I have, I'm excited on this one. Our underdog token. Now, I'm gonna, this one's going to be controversial for two reasons. One, even I'm not fully sure about this token yet. And I'm saying that because I want to make sure you understand that by me calling out this token as an underdog, I'm doing so because of its potential. 
not because it's actually done anything specific, but I've done a lot of investigation into it. And from what I can tell at this point, based on the process it has been out for a month at this point, the only thing I could see could happen would be something with the developer, not even malicious. It could simply be just a random developer or it could be just passage of time. But I think at the point that we're at with the market cap and everything, I'm, I'm going to call it out and let you do your own research and decide for yourself if it makes sense. One of the things that's happening now with tokens is that they're starting to constrain the supply. They're starting to get away from the, I was talking to someone the other day, sextillion, quintillion, quadrillion tokens that have just unlimited amounts of zeros after them and then they take months to start generating profit because you can't get people on board. And now we're starting to see these tokens do migrations, which of course drive me nuts. And part of the migration outcome is a constraint on the supply. So they'll go down to billions of tokens, which I think is a mistake. Where I think the number should settle is roughly between 100 and 200 trillion, no more, certainly no less, unless if that token is a fundamental part of an ecosystem like Leash, right? Leash has a constrained inventory. Bone has a constrained inventory. SHIB does not. So if you're doing it as part of an ecosystem, I'm supportive of the constrained supply because you're doing it to support, from a liquidity perspective, the other parts of the ecosystem. But if you're just doing it because you think that the extra zeros are a bad idea, my opinion is that that type of token still has an appeal, still has a strong use case, and if you back it with a strong project, it still can have a place in the crypto industry, and they're still out there on the Ethereum side particularly. But... Also, I think there's this notion that they're tied to scams, which is true. This is true. But just because it has extra zeros doesn't mean it is a scam. Just because it doesn't have extra zeros doesn't mean it's not a scam. So I, I want to try to separate the two. I mean, ultimately, it depends on the project. With that said, I'm going to call out a project, and I have done copious research on it as an investor. I'm a small investor in terms of fiat. This coin is called Dogezilla. You may have heard of Dogezilla. There are variations of its name, Baby Dogezilla, Dogezilla something or other. It's Dogezilla, D-O-G-E-Z-I-L-L-A. And I'm calling it out because they have a, first of all, their white paper is one of the most impressive I've ever seen of any token out there. And you wouldn't expect that from a coin called Dogezilla. But it is. It's one of the most impressive white papers I've ever seen, ever laid eyes on, just in terms of information and format alone, not even counting the fact that they seem to care about their use case and the reason that the coin exists, which they talk about in the paper. The developer behind this is a person whose pseudonym is Nine Zeros. And apparently he's well known in the crypto industry. And his story was, hey, he got scammed and he's tired of getting scammed and he wanted to create something else to help people not get scammed. This is similar to other tokens like DYOR, which has had some issues recently, and then the ironically named scam token. And But the difference with this one is that they took copious amounts of time to put together a very well thought out white paper. I implore you to read it and look at it and really understand when I say that it's arguably one of the best, I'm not making that, I'm not being facetious. Read this guy. And the website is, you know, it's not going to blow your mind or anything, but he, there's a consistency to it. There's a strategy to it. It started with 69 sextillion tokens. 
That's a lot of zeros. If you don't aren't good at math, just understand it's a lot of zeros. However, the flip of this is that it means that literally for a dollar or two, you can hold, uh, you know, one quadrillion tokens. Well, you're saying to yourself, well, why would I want to do that? Let me get to that in a second. Let me finish my summation of the site. With the way that the messaging is gone, the one thing that caught my eye was this messaging about a vault. So the Dogezilla utility that they've been working to do is around a vault concept. The vault concept is basically they're trying to solve the problem of coins that are not credible. So rather than something that's just a generic audit, which the audits are useful and we need them, the vault is trying to take it a step further by allowing the token developers to get on board with the process that will allow for a regular and routine screening of their project you put in the address and it will spit out basically what the results were and then you can certify on a regular basis okay here's what we found and here's what we believe about these projects and yes we believe it's safe to invest in it and so on but also it has an app where it tries to make it easy to interpret the results for your regular layman user trying to buy in all the way to what they said is part of a roadmap which is to say you can connect your wallet it will scan all of your different tokens and it will tell you if there's something that is a that they believe is a risky token that's a huge very exciting very appealing use case and it's something that's desperately needed it's something that certic doesn't do it's something that desert finance doesn't do it's something pucoin doesn't do it's something that you know token sniffer doesn't do none of these tools do that to the degree that you can just analyze somebody's portfolio for risk none of them have done this so I'm compelled, I'm, it's compelling thought that there could be a tool to do this for somebody's portfolio, especially if you're new and you don't know, look, I bought these 10 tokens and I don't know which one might be garbage or not. You might not be able to do anything about it, right? If you had already bought in and then they already pulled it and you just didn't know they pulled it, you're probably toast. But at least it helps you identify which ones have already done this and which ones still appear reasonably safe as we go through troubling very turbulent times with crypto, this is a tool that I think has a very strong use case to it. The one thing I would call out, and if the Dogezilla development team is listening to this podcast entry, and I will share it to them because I would love them to listen to this because I think you have a strong project. The one thing I would call out, that logo. That logo. I, I understand it. I get it. But it's it's not credible. It, it, it lacks the the seriousness that the project is commanding. The ID team had to learn this when it was ID in you and it had a dog. They had to get away from it. They had to get a more serious logo, change up the website, get it more serious. The Shirio Inu team, same thing. They called out, we need to make it more serious. We're now in this world where we have to get away from the cartoony and get to more serious, especially if you have a serious use case. If you're just doing it because you're an anime fan and you don't have a utility, that's one thing. But here you have a utility that I think is a solid utility. But I believe firmly that two things hold them back. One is that logo because they think it's another scam because that's the default way people think. Two is just the the messaging is we're going to do this vault. We're going to be serious and we're going to make you credible. But now we're backed on a token that has an ungodly amount of tokens, which isn't a bad thing. But from new investors, they're going to look at it as potentially a scam. Now, I talked about earlier, you know, why would you want to get, why would you want to buy into this? 
and you can do a dollar or two and get a quadrillion tokens. The thing is, if this can take off, and this is early, it's only been a month since this thing started, and it doesn't have a significant number of holders yet. If this can take off and it's truly serious on the mission and it considers some of the feedback that I said as far as making the the imagery more serious and turning it into something, you could really be sitting on gold here. I mean, a person who from a from 69 sextillion tokens, and I believe they burned half of them, a person that's sitting on a quadrillion tokens this early in the game, it's just like if you had bought into this Tama when it first started. It's the same thing where all it really needs to do is just drop five zeros or six zeros or something, which is easy for it to do because it has so many zeros. Now, it's already at 100 million in market cap, just to give you a sense of how many people did put some money into it and how much money went into it. However, it still has strong growth potential over time if more people get on board, which is why I'm advocating strongly to fix that imagery to where it's more serious in presentation and comes across as a serious business because I'm telling you right now, that vault has a key opportunity to be a game changer in the industry because it's something desperately needed, especially the ability to tie to somebody's wallet and do it. You could basically make Trust Wallet worthless because Trust Wallet doesn't give you that data. So if you're able to do that, that's solid. Now, Cytomask is coming. Cytomask may have some inkling of some of that, but I don't even think that's on their radar to add that kind of screening data to it. I think it's more financial, and here's where it is on the graph, and here's where it currently, what the buy-sell behavior is, and so on, which is valuable. But I think the security aspects are huge, and I think that that may entice a lot of investors who remain on the fence because of the security issues inherent with an unregulated market. And when you have a vault concept like this that can surface that information, to me, that's a game changer. It's a game changer. And I think it would go over well in Wall Street because that's one thing that Wall Street constantly is bearish about is the lack of security, lack of controls, people losing tokens, the rug pulls, the honeypots. That's what makes them really bearish. That's why there's so many laws at a state level preventing trades of certain tokens because of what they perceive as the risk of those, which they are valid. And so I, I'm, I'm imploring the team, I guess, please consider, please consider what I'm saying when I talk about imagery. I'm not criticizing the project. I'm not criticizing anything else, the team, nothing because I think you have solid gold here. I, I believe that from what I see. It's imagery and the perception of certain investors when they look at the imagery. I understand the international likes all that stuff, but I believe that the people who actually really have money internationally would also appreciate a more serious imagery going on with it. So keep that in mind. I, again, I'm not going to tell you whether to invest in it or not. My only call to action is, I, I challenge you to read their white paper and tell me it's not one of the best you've seen, number one. Number two, read up on the vault that they're doing because I think it's solid. And if it's truly what it is, and they've shown some video of it in action and all this, if it's truly what it is, you can't not see money sitting on the table that you can easily scoop up on this one with a very small initial investment. They do have the common tokenomics, so there is a reflection mechanic that sends uh, obviously reflections to your wallet. And then there's a burn, but the burn is not a, as I understand it, not a transactional burn. It is a periodic burn. So like the next one, I think it's every, you know, few weeks or something, they'll do a big bulk burn. So like the next one, I believe is going to happen in January. I believe is how it works. So instead of the transactional burn, you know, where every single transaction has this and then it burns and it goes, 
there was the big bulk burn. Well, I don't have an opinion, yay or nay, as to the effectiveness of the bulk burn because it hasn't been a project long enough to really assess whether it's a better or not better project approach. Let me call out one red flag, which is just my perception. The way this token is built seems to be at a high risk of having a migration happen because of the popularity of the new upgradable contracts where they may want to say, you know, we're going to move to this new contract and do a migration. And it's the same chaos that hit, you know, other tokens like safe earn and safe moon and so on. I hope they don't do that, but I can envision them doing that because of the, again, move away from excessive zeros, but I hope they don't. I hope that if they're trying to kind of streamline the liquidity or whatever they're trying to do to resolve and get more credibility, they just spin up a different token that has a different set of tokenomics that that's what you want. Keep this one still there. Use this one to support the other one's path forward and allow people to buy into both because I, I personally think that's the clean answer. I understand how much extra work it is to manage more, more than one token and the marketing. But I think when you have this kind of a concept with a vault and you want to appeal to multiple investors, if you were to think about changing the branding to something more serious, I think a second token makes all the sense in the world because you're going to have people who are buying into the token for the vault, right? And then people who are buying into a separate token for this other purpose off to the side that has totally different mechanics to it. Let's say you have a different process that's supported by the vault for doing the token sniff function built inside where let's say an investor can do their own audit, right? Of any token they want. And I'm, I'm giving away the idea and it's free of charge, but listen, I'm not going to criticize you if you want to give me some tokens like, like, uh, you know, Shiv did to Vitalik. I'm not going to turn them away, but I'm giving it free of charge. Consider a process where as part of this vault, anybody can put in any address and they can perform any audit that they want. And it will spit out whatever results that you want based on however many score factors that you program into it. And you can let them choose which types of audits they want to do. So then you have this secondary token that supports just the mechanics of doing that audit work, right? Whereas the main Dozilla supports the, the vault itself and the basic tool. This other to token gives you access now to more data supported into the vault. I mean, that's huge, but I think the visual of the, the you know, the Godzilla slash Shib, it, it will tend to turn off investors unfairly, and I wouldn't want to see that happen. So that's my overview on the Dozilla token. I'm not saying do it. I'm not saying don't. I am challenging you to read their white paper and tell me you don't walk away amazed at how well it's done and study up on that vault because I think it's a game changer personally. I'm an investor in it. I'm just going to sit on it because they, they're young yet and I want to see where it goes because it could be some, it could be one of the next big ones and hopefully they don't do a migration because that would really hurt my feelings. But if they do, they do. But that's what I got for you today. Keep on tab. I may do an out of cycle update later on because there's a couple of things going on with uh, Celsius that I may want to cover as well as some other news in all points cryptocurrency.